Hello and welcome to Rewind Reviews, a podcast where sometimes we just get it wrong. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Dan? We're talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, vehicle that is Last Action Hero, a movie that um, I had fond-ish memories of, but I'm pretty sure, I, I, I'm fairly sure I said this last week, but I, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, my memory of it was that it was good. Um, and that it was creative and fun. And the reality, some good ideas, not so much in execution. We'll get to that. Um, so yeah, apologies all round, Chris, for <laughs> selecting this film. Mate, I had a fucking great time watching it. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah, because I've never seen it. I had I had no expectations. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and there's, I, I, for me, there is one shining floor above all others, which we'll get to. But in general, I was so taken aback by how modern it felt. Like I was like, this is a fucking modern idea in in the eighties. Yes. Um, like yeah. you say, not necessarily executed perfectly. No. Some moments, some moments of harmless fun, but because I had no expectations. Yes. I was just along for the ride and just had a, I had a really good time. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't it's say. Funny I wouldn't say it's. I, huh? It's just funny you say that because I, I, I could, I, I can, I can see that. I can definitely see somebody flicking this movie on and going like. I'm just going to go along with this weirdness and see where it takes me. And yeah. and and, and, it, and it's weird from minute one, this movie, in my opinion. But I, <laughs> it doesn't... One of my favourite things. But it's... Oh, yeah, but there's so many... Like, we'll get to it. But like, I suppose we should be doing headlines and history. But, like, just quickly, one of my favourite things is that the movie ends with 45 minutes still to go. <laughs> and you're like... Where's this going now? Presumably to the real world. <laughs> like, and yep. there's a whole other movie. Like, it's insane. Yeah. It's so insane. And I, I just didn't, I guess, be- because I hadn't seen it, because there was no nostalgia, because it didn't have to meet or not meet any memories, and because at its core, there is an idea yes. which, for the whatever year it was made, is way ahead of its time. <laughs> The combination of all of that stuff made me have a good old time with it. But your yeah. so was it was it a big? I take it your your sort of history with it is as simple as it was a film you really enjoyed as a kid. There's no sort of there's nothing yes. more to that side of things. So yeah, so for for me it was um, you know as a kid who watched a lot of movies that were arguably too adult for me. Like I, I you know I was very young watching movies like Die Hard, like you know I mean Christ we you know. Terminator, RoboCop, like a lot of these like action movies that have uh, quite a lot of violence in them. Uh, you know, the, the the arguably were sort of a age. A movie like this, which is slightly more family aimed, was right up my street because it was a parody, essentially, or a satire, or a send up of all of those action movie tropes, which is such a clever idea. But it was also this family film about a kid getting like trapped in the movie. Uh, and if anyone hasn't seen this, little just a tiny, just to give you guys the premise, because we'll recommend or not recommend in a minute, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll do full on spoiler review. But if you're tempted to watch this, um, I'll give you a quick sort of overview. Um, the, the, you know, uh, young boy, um, really obsessed with film, gets a magic ticket, gets sucked into his favorite action movie, where he's then trying to convince the hero 
that the hero is in a movie in the the world he's in is weird and it, it gets wrapped up in the both that action hero's story and then his own situation which is developing so it's it, you know it's it's as an idea at its core it is genius and i and i think that's probably what hooked me as a kid like i was so into that idea and also like for its time all the meta jokes would have felt revolutionary you know poking fun at the fact that in a in a in a you know in, a, in a, an action movie shooting a car makes it explode when in real life it would not do that that's great but in a modern context really? is that enough when the story is so muddled the characters are so muddled there are weird scenes that absolutely need to be removed from the movie that make no sense um like there's a lot of weird stuff in here that mars it so for me having really had fond memories of watching this movie and feeling this movie again was like this really fun sort of satire of action movies to watch it now and be like yeah the action's not great the story doesn't really quite come together the characters don't really work uh what's left you know some jokes which work <laughs> you know for me like that's that was kind of my experience but you're right i have to admit that's obviously shaped by expectation uh you know uh, i remembered enjoying this movie so much as a kid um so it is it's tricky isn't it that also i will say i've not watched it i will put this out there i've not watched it in the best state i've like i've uh, it's been like 10 days since i've had a day off i watched it crammed in half asleep not half asleep but like you know i i dragged myself out of bed i'm very exhausted watching it like i'm you know i'm not i'm not in the best state to be reviewing this movie anyway um so i have to acknowledge yeah, all those I factors think, uh, also <laughs> because because i think in a different state potentially some of those things not all of them but some of them especially for someone in my position who've never seen them before some of them you can let go of and the more you let this movie just wash over you which is what I did, the more fun you're going to have. Where was that attitude when you watched Gremlins 2, Chris? Yeah, no, that's that's, that's fair. (laughs) But I think this is is almost... um, This almost gives less of a shit. But but I couldn't not have... I couldn't not have expectations with Gremlins 2 because the clue's in the title, Gremlins 2. I'd seen the first one. I I had expectations. I I didn't really kn- I didn't even know anything about this film. Like I vaguely knew from hearing it talked about on like movie fights or something that you know it, it, Arnold it had Arnold Schwarzenegger in and had a, a character in. Um, but yeah, I uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know the details. And honestly, if it makes you and I I'm genuinely not taking the piss when I say this. I mean this sincerely, as weird as it may sound. If it makes you feel better, I because I think you came into this podcast going, "Oh fucking hell!" Like not like you start you, your starting point was sorry. Um, you you almost felt bad for the for putting me through it as well. <laughs> yeah. If it makes you feel better, this is some this is amongst the most fun I've ever had watching a film for this podcast. <laughs> is it really? Did you watch it with Jess or did you watch it on your own? No, I watched it on my own. Yeah. Like I just, just some of the jokes hit. Some of the I, I have one huge problem. Um, but we'll we'll come back to it. So we've sort of summarised the plot, haven't we? So would you, I, if you've never seen this movie and you're 
you're after some dumb fun, I'd recommend this movie. I really would. Yeah, I've got to be I, mean, honest. I, I don't know if I, am I being turned around like on the grounds of that maybe I just have to acknowledge that I was like I watched it in like not the best conditions. Maybe if I'd have just been more like. Well, no, I think a big a, a big thing for you. And at the end of the sorry to interrupt. At the end of the day, this podcast is called Rewind Reviews. We talked about this before. Like it's not unfair to let memory influence things you thought it was this you thought it was aeroplane in your head this film was aeroplane a really clever unique spoof and satire and Mm. that's not what this film is no one should go into this film i'm not saying you were wrong to think that you watched it as a kid it's not a movie you've watched since and part of your part of your pitch of this movie was i want to know whether it is you know what i remember it to be you right. discovered it's not. Yeah, because um, I mean, it doesn't have but, a great reputation you know. critically. It's it's often looked at as a as a as a dud. It's often talked about as a as a as a not a great film. Mm. And I and I've over the years been like, I'm pretty sure that's not true. I'm pretty sure it's, it's pretty good. Maybe it's just but misunderstood. My, you know, <laughs> my God, could the right hands do something great with it as a sequel? Like the right hands, the sequel, a sequel of this could target reboots could target the expendables and could target you know blade runner blade runner 2049 which is a spectacular film but something about the harrison ford beating up ryan gosling scenes don't quite (laughs) don't quite land um do you know what i mean the the notion of a sequel to this satirizing sequels to action films from the 80s is in the right hands that could be genius yeah, and, I also you know, thought, I fully admit. I also thought there would be potential for a reboot, like a clean reboot, but it's not an action movie, it's a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I fully appreciate because let me just look up when uh, when did this come out then? Uh 1993. The week yeah, after so Jurassic Park. So I'm giving, uh, I'm giving, and I, I fully admit as well. You know, you you admitting that I probably didn't watch this in the right state as well. Um, I fully admit my side that I'm potentially giving it too much credit for what I conceive to be an incredibly modern idea because you know, Aeroplane had come out by the time this had come out. Like spoof films and this sort of thing were a scene, were a were a, a thing. Sorry, um, I've just double checked when Spy Hard came out, and that was like three years after, but. Yeah, so I mean, this I... isn't even one of those. This is this is something of its own, though, because it's 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 not really one of those out and out spoofs. It's like it's an in context spoof, which is a very different tone that they're trying to strike. And with feels this film. very modern. because it's so because airplane is just it's a, it's a it's a movie where it's utterly ridiculous, minute one to the to the last, right? Whereas this movie is mm. aware of its ridiculousness. It's it's intentional in the sense of the, there's a character going. That's insane, right? You know that's insane, which is very different to Airplane when everyone's kind of in on it, if that makes sense. So yeah, th- like yeah, by doing maybe. this sort of like in context, oh, it's a kid in the quote-unquote real world that's fallen into a movie and is observing the moviness of it is a really modern idea because that's a very meta way to approach satire. Just because, uh, you, you, yeah, you're landing in the same place, right? It's satire, but you're getting there via... Um, an in like an in world like cat character like observing and being a self aware of the moviness of the movie, um, and that's a really mm. different way to satirize something than just a clean 
satire like airplane so i I do think you're right there you know yeah you can compare it to like you know spy hard or whatever that top gun one was i always forget what the top gun spoof one was i know it existed it was charlie i think charlie sheen was in it (coughs) sorry i uh i can't remember Uh, it's what i tried Uh, i'm gonna look it up (coughs) hot shots hot shots which came out two years three years before this uh two Ninety-one to no, no, this was ninety-three. So, like, you know, uh, this is a, this is modern and different to those. I think in quite a lot of ways, it, yeah, and I think is. that is what yeah. was the core of what was so what was so appealing to me as a child about the film was that angle, you know. And and you know, like I can just hear Shirley from Community. Are you being meta? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the movie is doing something very few things were doing at that time, and 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 meta comedy in that sense has become very prominent since. I mean, you know, the rise of characters, to, even through comics of like Deadpool, you know, who's a, car- a comic book character that nobody's in a comic book and points out the comic bookiness of his world. You know, uh, I don't know when that started, but I tell you, this was this was pretty early for that. To be honest with you. Yeah, completely. And it's like I say, it holds up now. Like, with a few tweaks, this mm-hmm. could be an idea that a studio makes now easily. Um, mm-hmm. So so would you, Would you? we know we know history, we know plot, we know I'd recommend it. Would you recommend it? Uh, as we talk more, I think, yeah, probably, because I do think there's merit <laughs> to it. Um, but there's a, it's got a lot of problems, so be be prepared for a bumpy road. I, I, I'm going to say yes, but I, I do think there's a, there's a lot of weirdness and things that don't yeah. work in this movie it's also about 15 maybe 20 minutes too long but that's we'll come to oh, that without too. a doubt yeah it's it's too long and here's my do you want to hear let's dive in with a deep one do you want to do you want to hear my big critique and frustration with this film go on the, the rules don't work a, <laughs> a, no 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 it's not it's it's not even that it's yeah. pure story go on a deeper more complex interesting uh, version of this uh, of what they what they are doing. Literally, this isn't like if you added these ingredients, you could get this. This is the ingredients are fucking there and then some already. So we have a child, and we have the mother state that she is widowed, suggesting that he is a kid who has recently lost his father. He is obsessed with. <laughs> action films and escaping into cinema as you know potentially you could say a way to deal with that grief specifically focusing on a male role model figure at least to him a role model figure right he escapes into the world and meets that figure and learns that you know Maybe escapism and being in a world that isn't real isn't actually the right thing. And not only that, Dan, at the end of the movie, spoilers, we're going into full spoiler territory here. We fucking have Death show up. (laughs) Like, Death shows up. And he's like, no, you can't take him, referring to Jack. How much more powerful is it if they just press on all of those things more and make it about... A, a, a boy who has lost his father turning to cinema to escape and turning to a role model to replace that role in his life. And then at the end, instead of, no, you can't take him, screaming that at death, 
he screams, no, you can't take him like you took my dad. And it all fucking comes together in that moment. And maybe, you know, because already, I mean, there's some major logic flaws with the whole death thing. So that's, you know, put those aside. Yeah, that's one of my two big, like, there's two moments in this movie for me that are just like, maybe cut that from the movie. Um, Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, and I think we'll we'll come back to them. But yeah. And and as as it stands at the moment, you could absolutely cut that scene. But and there are there are there are logic issues to do with the death thing you'd have to bring. But like what I'm saying is sometimes you watch a movie and go, Oh, if you put this ingredient in, you could do this. With this one, I'm like, the pieces are literally already there for you to make this story more emotive and make it mean more and and flesh out the characters a bit more if it becomes about, you know, escaping into a fantasy world after trauma. Like, and yeah, I just think, I think that would have made the film, I think that's the modern version, that is the actual modern version of this modern idea, like relating it to something like that. And it's not even like you'd have to, you know, they put those ingredients in, they just didn't explore them. It's crazy to me that that this child has recently lost their dad and they don't shout, when they see death, that's not what they talk about. If you make the whole thing about that, I think the film is inherently stronger. That's my, that was my big thing coming out of it. Because, mm. you know, a lot of the logic stuff, I'm sure you will make me go, yeah, I'm, I will agree with everything you say about that. But it didn't particularly bother me watching it because I was just, like I say, just along for the ride and the fun. But that I was aching for like, oh, fucking you put you put the ingredients in the film like you could have done that and you didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. That's my big thing. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think you're right because well, it's one of the things I said at the beginning was it just it doesn't really have character or heart nope. or any of that, that to it. So you, you know, one of one of my points was that, and that would have solved it. And it's and you're right, it's right there for the taking. Um, the, why not loop it back round to that idea? Because that is pretty much what they're setting up at the beginning of the movie, right? Is the kids escaping his life being not great and the recent loss of his father being a big source of that so yeah when you've literally mm. got him meeting his his escapism sort of father figure and then that person's life being on the line n- not bringing it back and you don't need to do the death thing you just, you just can't just, death thing needs to go anyway but it shouldn't be in the movie it's it's dumb sorry ian mckellen it's a wonderful performance it's very creepy but I, I don't know why this movie exists i don't know why this scene sorry that no because that's that for me was a big logic flaw why like literally the whole thing about jack yeah. jack slater is it whatever his this name is, is. It. yeah is jack, the, jack slater he, doesn't have his jack slater powers in the real world so why does death? yeah exactly so right. so yeah. not only not only why does death has his have his powers in the real world why does death know when danny's meant to die like it, that doesn't make any sense unless Danny was a character in that movie that he's come from. Like it makes no sense. So dumb. So dumb. <laughs> uh, but like I say, you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to ad- address some of that or work that out. Well, but no, I'm so not even. What, the, you know. the answer is simple. You remove death altogether because that's a stupid idea. It doesn't really make sense. And instead, you have him trying to get um, Jack back to the theater and find the ticket. And there's a moment when they don't think they're going to be able to get him back, and he's I can't, and it's I can't lose you too. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. As simple as that. The film doesn't, 
the film doesn't need another villain, like uh, the, the point where death comes in. And it feels like death is only there. It feels like they couldn't get the rights to Dracula and all of those things. It feels like what they wanted to set up and what they set up and teased throughout the movie is all the big bads are going to come through in this for this climax. And that's going to happen. And it's going to be terrifying. And then that doesn't happen. We just get death and it's just weird and confusing at a point where the film doesn't actually need another villain. So either... No, we just the band-aid off. Exactly. So either rip the band-aid off and actually have cinema's greatest villains all come after this one man because he's gone round, Charles Dance has gone round and led them all to it. Um, and then the fun thing, you could do that. Like, and at one point I was like, I was, there was one point where Jack appears in the mist and you're not quite sure, it's, it's on the rooftop and you're mm. not quite sure how he knew to get there. And part of me went, is they going to, is that going to be the Terminator? Are they going to basically, you know, the Nick, the projectionist, has found the other ticket because the other half of the ticket was obviously fucking in that box the whole time, has yes. found the other half of the ticket and he's gone through and collected all the heroes and then we're going to get heroes v. villains. Um, I'm, You know, I'm glad they didn't do that. Space Jam 2 proves that it's difficult to make that work. But... My, you know, my point is, um, at one point I thought they were going to do that. Um, they can't do that. They clearly couldn't do that. They couldn't maybe get Dracula, whatever it was. Why fucking tease that the entire movie if you can't, you know, do it? That was a frustration. And it feels like the death thing was just them doing a version of that. But just take out that element. It's not needed. It's not needed at all. Just remove yeah. it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's... Um... It's such a strange idea because it, well, it's not even all movie, is it? It's just it, be it becomes the villain's plan in the sort of third act. And also, mm. I just want to say, in a world where he lists a bunch of fictional villains, like I can't remember exactly what names he says now, but he says like he's like you know Darth Vader, Dracula, you know King Freddy Kong, Kruger. and then he throws in Hitler. I just just want to make a point. Yeah, that Hitler, I, Hitler was not <laughs> a fictional character. <laughs> Genuinely was like, I'm not sure if the writers of this movie are aware of that, but Hitler was real. <laughs> I was like, what movie are they pulling Hitler from? Like, I'm sure Hit you know, Hitler's been in movies, but <laughs> surely you've got to be more specific. Really odd, Paul. Yeah, but anyway, uh, moving on from that. Um, yeah, so my two big scenes that just need to be removed, we talked about one of them now, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the death thing. The other thing that needs to go, and I just, I cannot for the life of me, figure out why it's in the movie, right? The robbery at the beginning of the movie. Okay. First of all, <laughs> just on its own, it completely stops the movie in its tracks. Right? Just, th there's a random scene where there's a home invasion and the boy is handcuffed up and then he's let go and then, like... He's, he, he's at the police station and then he goes to the thing he was leaving the house to do when the robbery happened. Yeah, and it raises so many weird. questions it doesn't need to raise. So first of all, right, what the fuck? Like, So it's just gone 11 when he leaves the house, right? And then the robber like pushes into the house, handcuffs him, searches the house, finds nothing valuable, throws away the key to the handcuffs the kid um, has, and then we just smash cut to the police station. The kid's telling the story to a police officer. I assume time has passed because he's now at the police station. 
It turns out the mum isn't going to leave her shift for this. She'll see the sun when it's done and that they just send him off into the night to go home on his own. So weird. Insane. It's so so weird. many questions raised. Why aren't the police escorting him home? Why isn't the mum coming to get him? Uh, fuck her shift. Her son just was... Uh, essentially, there was a home invasion when her son was home alone. Like, what? So then, all of that, which is already insane, and already like, well, you better do something with this. This trauma from whatever happened there should come back somehow in this movie. Otherwise, why is it in the movie? But not only does it not come back, but then, when he leaves the police station, it's 11.45. All of that happened in, like, 30 minutes? Is Mate, this movie biggest, high? Biggest, what happened? The biggest crime is that it just literally adds nothing. <laughs> it adds nothing and makes no sense. What is... Who wrote this? Who edited this? Just have him go to the door of the house at 11.15 and then cut to him at the cinema at 11.45. It's so no weird. It's no different. We just have... Just, I, look, just I understand have it be... that it got shot. Why wasn't it taken out in the editing stage? Yeah, completely. You've got to, you've got to just have. Um, do you, sorry, I'm so distracted by the bizarreness of it. Just have the mum be really firm on don't don't leave the house. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to go anywhere. You've got to stay here. And then the jeopardy is like, what's going to happen when he gets back? Because she's going to know that he went out. Like I don't understand why it's not just that. Because <laughs> is that not is that not enough? And the movie's already too long too. So like that, then it really becomes silly, right? At that point, because it, the movie's too long. You just cut that bit out. That's the answer, is it? No. Yeah. But- that, yeah, solves, that solves the problem. I don't know. I found that really fucking strange. I couldn't get my head around that, truthfully. Um, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah. Everything no, it's, no it's, it's, a complete, it's a complete flaw. It, make, it does make absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, let's talk about other bits of the movie. Uh, magic Ticket. Are we happy for just Magic Ticket? <laughs> is, that, is that fine? You know what? Does it matter that the Honestly, movie just like hand waves away any explanation of how he ends up in a movie? Like the writers, like wait, he needs to get into the movie. Um, all right, well we can't think of one. We'll just say magic ticket for now, and we'll we'll fix it later. Honestly, mate, I'd be happier with magic ticket if it wasn't magic ticket from Houdini, because <laughs> that wasn't one of Houdini's powers. Um, like, yeah, Houdini once again, a- have they forgotten that a real man existed? I'm not even, I don't know for sure, but I'm not entirely sure that the timelines even work out. Like, when was Houdini, like, a a thing? Uh, That's a good question. Let's find out. And how do you spell, because clearly my spelling of Houdini is wrong, because it's not coming up with any results about the thing. So Harry Houdini was... He died in uh, in 1926. (laughs) I mean, it feels a bit of... I mean, I suppose he says he watched, he saw him as a kid. So maybe, <laughs> but... Yeah, he also talks about seeing Buffalo Bill, and Buffalo Bill died in 1917. <laughs> Nick is older than he looks, clearly. Um, yeah, like Harry Houdini's biggest thing, wasn't it like escaping... Yeah, thousands watched as he tried to mm-hmm. escape special handcuffs. Like, uh, that's not quite... 
He created, oh, also, Houdini created a ticket which could transport you to a parallel world. Like, I'd all, honestly, if he tells a story about how he found the ticket or when they're in the projection room, this uh, this cinema's got a got a crazy history, you know. They here are some here are some artifacts from the from the theater's history. I mean, this one this one's got one hell of a story, and then you know tell the story about how it was found and someone claims to have you know I don't know, just a version that is better. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with Magic Ticket if it keeps it Magic Ticket, but the Houdini thing places it like too specifically into i just think it's too specific basically you've got to keep that sort of shit vague to the more you know if it's a real big science fiction premise sometimes keeping it vague helps um i think they go too specific on the on it yeah i just I, yeah like you i just think also i mean he just wasn't a magician magician in that sense he was like an escape artist and illusionist so it's a very strange choice um and like also he, also and, i think it's madness my bigger thing with the ticket though dude is honestly that no one thought to look in the box earlier <laughs> and how did def know about that how did def know to hint at that so weird this <laughs> movie man all right so let's talk about some of the, the bits i the bits i like because we can sit here all day and nitpick some of this stuff um let's do let's do the fun stuff so i really like the shakespeare fantasy scene in the school where he imagines uh, is it it's Hamlet or Macbeth or something? I think it's Hamlet, but with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the lead role, so he turns Hamlet into a cheesy action movie in his head uh, while at school. That's fun. I think that says a lot about the character, and it's a fun scene, and it's kind of dumb, and it doesn't outstay its welcome. I enjoyed that. Thumbs up. Good work, movie. You want to know my... Let me just check whether it's on the actual ones, although it doesn't look like it says. Do you want to know my favourite thing about that? Mm-hmm. On Wikipedia, at least... <laughs> Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger is oh, it's not on Wikipedia. It was on something I saw. Maybe it was Amazon listing or something like that. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger was oh no, it's Wikipedia. He's listed it. He's credited as Detective Jack Slater slash himself slash Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's a stretch to say that he's playing Hamlet in this movie. <laughs> yeah, because you you could argue it's, that that is the kid imagining. It's imagination, yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. He's not playing... He doesn't deserve to be credited as Hamlet. Yeah, if, if, I, if, I, was in a, if I was in a movie and, a, I don't know, um, a character like had a dream sequence and in that dream sequence I was Gandalf for some reason, I wouldn't be credited as my character and then Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone's exactly. thinking that sounds exactly. like a real fever dream you've just come up with there, Danny, you're tired or something. It's just this fucking movie has done to me, that's all. I'm just thinking weird shit now. In weird logic loops. What was it like? Were you? What was the point where you were like, oh, fuck? It, it was the, the home invasion. It was pretty early. Pretty early, I was like, oh, no. Because right. that just... When right. he just ends up at the theatre... And his mum's just gone, yeah, send him home. And the police officers have just gone out into the real world, kid. I was just like, because that's not even like, because I don't mind all the silly weird stuff like that happening once we're inside the movie. Because then we're going by the joke of movie logic is movie logic, right? That's the point. But to do a thing that breaks logic prior to that in the quote unquote real world makes the movie stuff not work for me or less work, work less for me. Because then I'm going, well, wait a minute. 
fucking hold on. <laughs> your your real world is is as silly as your fucking movie world at the rate we're going, <laughs> you know. And that really that that hurts it. So that's the moment I was yeah. Um I like the opening sequence. I think the opening sequence is pretty good where we're just in a Jack Slater movie. Although nitpick, I know I said I do good stuff, but nitpick, uh, it's weird that it's a mo- it's a film where we're seeing what appears to be the climax. But it opens by introducing the character and situation. <laughs> you know, when you're in the third act of a movie and we feel the need to reintroduce the main character. <laughs> it's not a real scene that would exist, is it? But there you go. That's fine. It worked. It worked well enough. Um, Stru- structurally, though, it is a good way to introduce a villain you're going to bring back later and set up what happened sure. in the previous movies. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, it, the it, whole it, notion it's, of it's setting up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the notion of he's watching the third film and then the film he goes into is a sneak preview of the fourth film. Although I'd argue, why is the third one still running? Although maybe it's a catch up on on Jack, um, whatever his name is before. Um, Jack Slater. Yeah, it the, must be, right? Jack Slater, yeah. It's because I'm uh, I'm stage managing a play at the moment by Ian Hislop. Uh, he's not involved in this production, um, obviously. Um, I don't want anyone to think that sounds fancier than it is. Um, and uh, it's uh, in that there's it's a there's a it's about an American actor, and he's been in an action movie series where he's played a character called Jack Finality. So it's really hard for me to remember which. Jack is which, um, so that's why I keep just saying Jack. Um, but yeah, no. um, yeah, I agree with you though. I think that that first scene's effective. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Did you after the weirdly harrowing home invasion scene when he then gets to the theater and the guy's being all fucking weird and creepy and talking about Houdini and he's dressed as a fucking usher? Did you not think, oh Christ, stranger danger, get an adult, something's wrong? <laughs> Because I was, maybe I was just on edge, because well, yesterday I watched the fucking Jimmy Savile documentary, and then today I put this on, and it starts with a fucking home invasion scene where a poor child that's on his own has <laughs> somebody come into his home and fucking handcuff him. Maybe I was just in a bad mindset, but like, I was like, that scene starts, and I'm like, am I supposed to find this guy whimsical? Because right now I find him creepy. I just like that that's the second in a, in a list of what was meant to be positives. <laughs> It's your entire list of things you enjoyed the opening scene. No, I've got, I've got, I've got more. I have got more. I've got other bits. I know. I'm joking. What, what, I'm like, a lot of my positives are from the middle section of the movie. I think that's the. I think that's the part that works best. You know, the once most, he's yeah, the, in the movie and we're just doing a dumb Arnold action movie, but one of the characters is self-aware to how dumb it is. That's all fine, and I don't even really mind the third act taking place in the real world and then doing the opposite, pointing out all the things he can no longer do now he's not in a movie. That's all fine. It's just the third act is a yeah, little too that's... long. Um, but yeah, the yeah. open the, the early parts of this movie are by far its worst, I think. It's, it's it's yeah. Um, so we can talk about all yeah, the good stuff, but the good stuff is... later on. Like, the good stuff is like <laughs> him pretending to be Arnold Schwarzenegger but getting the name wrong. That's great every time. I think at one point he refers to himself as Arnold Braunschneiger, which is yeah. just insane. Um, uh, you know, um, oh God, I love when he's trying to get rid of the body and he's yelling, this man needs a doctor, this man needs a doctor. And some guy just really unhelpfully, I'm a doctor. 
you know um yeah that sort the, of stuff's the, all the really mo- good once we get into the movie into the movie movie i think it's 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 a lot better to be honest with you the um, moments a lot of my favorite when parts are once we're there and and like what type of uh of spoof it is as a whole that you know we've already talked about but i think the moments the best moments of this film are the moments where it's pure spoof humor the moment where he <laughs> he it randomly turns into et when daddy's escaping on a bike <laughs> the moment where they have the most ridiculous car chase in the world where big explosions are just happening in the background or when cars just won't like the entire car chase scene in general to be honest the very fact that it's even you know at one point we go into the river like you know grease and stuff like that um the mo- the doctor line that you've just brought up feels like it's taken from something like aeroplane like i think those moments when it's just pure spoof because actually what i really respect is often in those moments i was really impressed throughout the middle part of the film that they were doing stuff but not pointing it out yes. so you know you I didn't have wrote, Danny. i wrote this in my notes it some yeah. of this stuff is like it mostly ignores its own jokes <laughs> like the yeah, movie doesn't react to them a really lot of good. the time and but not not even the jokes. But Danny doesn't spend every five minutes going. He does it a bit, but you know he doesn't spend. He doesn't point out every little thing that they're able to do just because it's a movie. Yeah. And the times that he does do that, it's actually for the service of a joke. Like when he he writes something on a bit of paper, and Arnold's like, "I can't say that," and he's like, "Of course you can't say it. This is a PG thirteen movie, like yes. <laughs> stuff like that." Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and, then, and, and like one of my favorite examples of one of those understated jokes that just because uh, this really gives a good example of it because it's one of the ones Danny doesn't point out himself. So there's a big old car action chase sequence where there's explosions and they're all shooting at everyone and stuff. And then later in the movie, they go on a they get in the car and go somewhere. And as they're talking, there's just explosions and cars crashing around them. Like the world's cars are so just driving in that in the world of this action movie is full of that kind of danger, but they don't even neither uh, Danny or um, Slater pick up on it. They just they both just finish their conversation, and that's a great like that's a really good example of what this movie does. Is it's like it's the, the characters so often ignore the, the 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 movie ignores a lot of its best jokes to to make sure that they're understated or uh, you know under, like intentionally sort of underserved which makes them funnier in my opinion and i think that impacts the third act more because the third act they don't do that the third act they are pointing out everything you know arnold's hand hurts and he points it out um the bullets don't work and he points it out and i suppose it's it's attempting to do character stuff with Arnold Schwarzenegger, with, you know, the Jack character. But it just feels so much more drawn out as a result. And just so, the, the third act just doesn't feel as clever. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, there's some, there, is, there is good stuff in the third act, particularly around the idea that, that obviously he and Arnold both exist. Hmm. Oh yeah, no. There's some, oh, there's elements of the third act I loved, um, but I think it doesn't. It they break the rules that they establish so nicely in the second act. So, for example, in the second act, there's the, there's that great bit where Danny's kind of essentially like, well, I'm in a film, so presumably 
I can just drive this crane. And he's able to drive the crane. And that works really well. In the third act, you have him suddenly able to drive a car, which breaks the rule of, because I'm in this movie world, I can do this. And I think the a big mm-hmm. problem with the third act in general is in order to have a high-stakes action movie ending, they have to then break the rules they so clearly set up in the second act. And it just makes the third act feel not as concise. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is it. I think that... You're right. I think it's... I... I, I respect that they were like they were willing to go to like to, to shift the, the what the, the movie is to, for the third act just to keep it interesting, like almost like let's not outstay our welcome. You know how many jokes of this nature can we do? I think one of the reasons the movie doesn't. I I will say this for the film: it's never boring. <laughs> like you know, no, you know, you you're not losing interest in this movie and checking your watch halfway through. I'll get, I'll, I'll certainly give it that. And I think one of the reasons that is is because every time the movie starts to get comfortable with what it's doing it just goes oh well now we'll try this you know um Mm. there are at least the three distinct acts are all three distinct movies almost you know you could literally divide it like that if you wanted um so yeah i told i yeah i don't disagree with that i think that's a good point and there's some great like like you said there's some great stuff in the third act i mean the way arnold sends himself up like don't talk about the restaurants like that whole stuff about him just wanting to promote planet hollywood that really made me laugh yeah Um, especially i don't know if you know much about the history of planet hollywood but that was this insane sort of half scam that happened like it was planet hollywood is fascinating as a thing um i'll have to uh, check it out yeah, there's um, a really the, that, there's a really interesting history about how how that went and how it played out, and and the the big part of the reason those movies those those restaurants were popular is because the celebrities kept sort of acting as if they were going to be there every you know every other night, like well, checking in on the staff, like you never go, you better go to Planet Hollywood, you might see Mr. Schwarzenegger, like but the and they but they would show up to the opening to sort of encourage that notion and then literally never go again. Um, it's really right. interesting. Yeah. I, I saw I, it was part of a it was. A, Oh, I'll tell you what it was. I was listening to the Bruce Willis podcast, um, Haleywood, the one that was about how Bruce Willis tried to buy a town. I don't know if anyone's yeah. listened to that yet, but you should if you haven't. Um, in that, they broke down the Planet Hollywood situation um, because Bruce Willis was, was a part of that as well as Mr. Mister Schwarzenegger. So, yes. Right. The The red carpet cameos as well. Like Bill Murray's cameo, just being like, I don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you know, was that was that Bill Murray? I was, I like, I I watched it this morning, and I was like, I need to Google if that because it looks and sounds like him, but like, it just also didn't quite look like him. Is that definitely? Oh no, I didn't check. No, because at first I thought it was. I don't know. I'm just seeing if if you pause on Amazon Plus, Amazon Prime, if it comes up. Uh, it doesn't actually say. Because I thought at first it was Jim Belushi. Is it Jim? But the brother. So not. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I mean, the one who was in according to Jim. So yeah, I think Jim Belushi. Um, I it looked like him, but then I was like, well, it certainly sounds and feels like Bill Murray. Uh, bear with yeah, I had a moment me. where I thought that's who it was, but then I then I changed my mind. But I, I could be wrong. During the premiere. Oh, it's it's Jim Belushi. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, I was right. It's not. It's not Bill Murray. Well, I was wrong about Bill Murray, but right about Jim Belushi. Gotcha. 
Yeah, just for clarification, because um, I wasn't sure. I had a moment where I thought that's who it was, and then I was uncertain. So, where was where was Chevy Chase? Apparently, Chevy Chase was. It was yeah, Damon Wayans, Chevy Chase, Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme gets like a feature bit where he gets to speak, which I, that was yeah. fun. I enjoyed hearing. I enjoyed seeing Jean Claude Van Damme, and obviously a little nod to this movie. The, one of the most famous scenes in this whole movie is, of course, when they go into the video store. The kids trying to prove, yeah, um, to Jack Slater because I, I don't know because uh, the one thing a lot of people know about this movie, even before they see it, is this scene. Did, but to clarify, you went in not knowing that this happens, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the scene is amazing. They go into the, the video store. The kids trying to prove that it's a movie and he goes to he finds the the, the cardboard cut out the, the standee for uh terminator 2 but it's not Arnold schwarzenegger it's sylvester stallone and still uh, and schwarzenegger playing jack slater is going oh he's great in that movie what are you talking about it's one of his best work it's just such a fun joke especially obviously those two had a big rivalry at the time um Someone ate chicken in someone else's car and got grease on a seat and they didn't get on. It's a whole thing. I've heard so many stories about those two over the years. My favorite of which will always be the story that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger tricked Stallone into doing Stop My Mom Will Shoot. Um, yeah, I think that's come up on here, but tell it again. I can't remember if it I'll, I'll just very quickly, yeah, I'll very quickly say, basically, Stallone and Schwarzenegger were always up for the same roles and there was always a big fight about who actually got to do it. And um, uh, Schwarzenegger read the script for Stop My Mobile Shoot, thought it was fucking terrible, and um, very deliberately made sure Stallone thought he was going for it. And then Stallone was like, I'm getting that movie. No matter what, I'm getting that movie. If Schwarzenegger wants it, I want it. And then, obviously, Schwarzenegger did not want it, and Stallone got it, and uh, the, the rest is history. <laughs> we've we've all seen Stop My Mobile Shoot. Um, <laughs> but, do, but do you think, without without engaging in another discussion for too long, do you think, thanks to Rocky and Creed, there's a possibility Sylvester Stallone will actually be remembered as the better actor of the two? Oh, he'd definitely be remembered as the better actor of the two. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, is yeah. the better yeah, actor yeah, of the two, point. pretty pretty clearly, I think. Yeah. You can debate which of them is in the better films, but I, I think Stallone is the, is the better actor, I think. Schwarzenegger yeah, did did so. one thing really well. Like the Terminator was like such a there were so many great acting choices made in Terminator, but since then he's pretty much just done that one thing, right? Yeah, and and I think you know it's like you say, it, the Terminator is an amazing movie. It's not necessarily all about Arnold's performance in quite the way that um, Rocky and Creed is about Stallone's performance. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Schwarzenegger has Jingle all the way on his side. We can't forget that. Um, but, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. Like, it's... It's 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 a, it's a struggle, this movie, because there's so many great bits, especially in the middle. Um, but it's... It, I don't know. As a whole, it did not come together for me, I don't think. I think there are a lot of good ideas. I think this is the kind of movie that, by the way, fucking rife for a reboot. Like... Or a, or a sequel because you know oh, they keep completely. rebooting classics and fucking them up. Well, guess what? This one isn't great, but the idea is super solid. Like, like this is this is what we should be fixed on. But the problem is the reason Hollywood is doing reboots and remakes a lot is because of the brand recognition and the name. And this movie, admittedly, flopped. So <laughs> I don't know how you would be able to justify. Um, 
you know doing that basically yeah so um it's really difficult isn't it because it's also it's such a simple movie that i'm like i feel like we need to and i'm sure you've got other notes but i feel like we need to say more but you know my main criticism is not making enough of the dad thing my main compliment is the way it executes a lot of its jokes um and the fact that it doesn't it has the the uh bravery to not point out every joke and sort of draw a circle around it but I'd sort of, you know, I don't want to sit here and list jokes as we often do when we watch comedies. Those are my main bits of analysis. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else like analysis-y that I want to say about the movie. Ah, yeah, uh, I will say this. I don't think the action sequences are great in general. Considering no. this is the same guy no, that directed Die Hard, the action sequences lack tension because they deflate themselves with the comedy and that's fine. But when that happens, you've got to find a way to at least make them engaging in other ways. Um, I, I was I, The car chase one at the beginning is great because it's full of jokes, but the ones that take themselves a bit more seriously towards the end of the movie just kind of fall flat for me. Like, once they're on the rooftop, I was just like so uninvested in what was happening. Although I will say, reasonably, reasonably clever idea that the, 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 the villain outthought the hero when he intentionally left one gun chamber empty so arnold's character would think he was out of bullets that's a neat idea um but even that's executed a bit flatly here i think and the idea i think the way to do it would have been they they have a moment that where the but it turns out the kid's just being clever where the kid gets thrown against a wall and moans about breaking his arm and then it turns out that he's just sort of wants the villain to think he's out of action but that idea, what I thought they were playing on was the brutality of what these action sequences in the real world would be like. And I know, excuse me, that's a very different tone to what they've been going for. But again, I think the problem is they did such a good job establishing movie world rules and what the movie world was that the movie is sort of fighting against itself to be what the real world is later. And I think that whilst it would have been different tonally to the rest of the film, the right thing to do story-wise would be to make the action really raw and brutal in that third act. Um, Or a psychological, or if you don't want to do that, some sort of psychological game, you know, between between Jack and Charles Dance's Mm -hmm. character. Um, I'll also pay that compliment. Charles Dance is very good. Yeah, Charles Dance is great in this movie. Uh, fun character. Reasonably well written, actually, as villains go. Um, yeah, thumbs up for Charles Dance in this movie. Well, because he gets because he gets to be... The point is, he's an archetype. Like The reason it's well written is because it gets to be a, a stereotypical archetype villain. Um, right. And you, you have fun with that. Because, again, the, because the second... The, I think one of the biggest compliments in discussion that we actually have for this film is the second act defines the movie world so well and lets you get away with, you know, Charles Dance hamming it up. But that then has a knock-on effect on the first act and the third act. Yeah, this is the problem. I think the movie has a tone, has some tonal stuff that it needs to work out too because sometimes it feels like a family movie. Uh, you know, uh, like a family-friendly movie, and then sometimes it feels like not at all. Like there's a joke about premature ejaculation, and then they crash. Like immediately after that, they crash into this place that's full of like half-naked women for some reason. Like, well, I just viewed that as a in an action movie. 
you you have shots of asses for a yeah, while. Yeah, no, I, I, and I that sequence it's, it, it's a parody of those movies, but they, I, what I'm saying is, do those jokes as as as, as you know funny as yeah, some of yeah, them yeah, may yeah, be? Do they hurt the movie's tone? Because it's there gets to a certain point where you go like, who's this for? Is this for adults um, who like action movies? If so, some of this is very puerile. But then you go, well, if it's for kids, some of this stuff is a bit adult for kids. Like, and in the end, yeah, it turns out there is an audience for it because it was me. It was a young, me, a young kid who loved action movies and watched a lot of them, you know, seeing a, a proper send up of them, you know, in a, in a, in a fun, creative way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So much of this movie is very clever. It's just so, it's just so strange that, like, they weren't able to smooth out some of those issues. I think... I don't know, though. I don't know what the solution to that is without ruining the premise, though. <laughs> That's the other problem with that. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a criticism, but it might be a baked-in one that you can't actually fix simply. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like we were just saying about the action at the end. The, what is logical is something brutal, but you just can't do that in this movie. You have to... The, the movie world and the real world have to converge a bit, but that just creates logic problems. And I think it's the same. It's the same situation with the tone as well. Yeah. For I thought the, the ending for the same reason set up as, was pretty clever as well, that he's like injured and in the real world, that's like, this is a deadly wound. But if he gets him back to his own world where the hero always lives, you know, the doctor will take one look at it and be like, ah, it's a flesh wound, you know, his own world where these heroes can take an inordinate amount of punishment and still keep going, you know, uh, one bullet ain't going to stop it. Like, you know, an action hero, like a, like a John McClane or, or, or a Jack yeah. Slater in this case, that's a funny notion too. Um, and I, and, yeah, and yeah, also a, a great way idea. to both be a joke, but also a great story element. Because it and does create genuine very... tension. There's, there's genuine tension. He, you feel like he might die. Yeah, completely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That element of it. The the relationship, the relationship between those two is done fairly well, and you genuinely feel the tension of whether he's going to die. I mean, the movie ends very suddenly. <laughs> like he's just, but like we, I would have maybe liked a shot of Danny and his mum getting on, or you know somehow all the action has saved the theater because that's just a plot that's you know gone um or an indication of you know maybe nick's on his way to meet marilyn monroe or something mm. um but the you know I, I wouldn't want to add another five minutes to this film but it certainly feels sudden but the actual resolution of what happens to jack Sl- slater is both funny and makes sense agreed Agreed. Uh, other, you got any other notes before we take a little trip to Trivtown? Uh, just a few things to talk about. I, I, I quite like the daughter character. She's not in it a huge amount, but um, I think that's a fun idea because that's a, a lot of these sequels do. They'll eventually introduce like the, 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 the you know, the, even the Die Hard series got there eventually. You know, introduce the son or daughter of the lead, mm. who's a mini version of them. That's fun because. Fine. Because the mum doesn't want to be in it anymore. Like that's a very real life thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a great joke. Actually, the the, the kids like, well, yeah. you, you're not going to see your ex wife because uh, she, her name wasn't in the credits. She ain't in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's 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 super fun. I like that. Um, let's see. Oh, the fucking animated cat. We haven't talked about what the fuck is, is that about. 
I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's a great joke. And again, it's one of those understated ones where he's like, um, can you see the animated cat? He's like, yeah, that's Detective Whiskers. He's, I'm glad he's back. He was, he was only suspended for a month and now he's here. But he's an animated cat. Yeah, and he'll be an animated cat when he shows up for work tomorrow. What are you talking about? <laughs> Voiced, by the way, by Danny DeVito. Uh, excellent. Just stop. Mwah. It, Beautiful. Thank you. It, it um, felt like... It felt again. I feel kind of feel that was a missed opportunity because at one point I wondered, especially when they get the scene where they're getting their partners in the police, and they're sort of all premises for other movies. I kind of thought, oh, is it that the police station is sort of the police station for all movie worlds? You know that that thing with the nun, is it, or the vicar and a and a police person or something like that? Like yeah, the notion I, I, that... I, I wrote it down actually. Let me see if I can. Yeah, yeah. There's various police officers getting their partners for the day, and one police officer is teamed up with the rabbi. <laughs> I want to see yeah, that. Yeah, and movie. it felt. I wrote that down. What it felt like was there are other movies going on at the same time as this, but again, they just didn't push that far enough for it to then make sense of the animated cat, which was my interpretation of the animated cat. Oh, he's from another movie. Um, yeah, he's for another know, movie almost... that ha- that's sharing uh, its world, you know, with the you know with the the Jack Slater world, and they all sort of all these movie yeah. characters live in a dimension on top of each other, sort of. Yeah, exactly. But I think yeah. the movie, you know, the movie should the movie should justify its presence of an animated cat by explaining that itself. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent agreed. Um, I like that they went for the lowest moment trope. You know, they lose the ticket, the house gets blown up, he loses his job, and in his lowest moment, Slater admits that he's you know his wife doesn't call him anymore, and he's just hiring some lady to call the phone. I just think that's a really like it's a it's 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 a, it's a pretty sincere version of the trope, but it's still the trope. You know, um, it's, yeah, totally. yeah, it happens at the exact right part of a movie. Uh, of the movie, so it, it works well. Um, obviously, uh, practice the the, the 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 detective that's obviously going to betray him does indeed betray him. Um, I think that's fine. I think it's it's obvious on purpose. Um, and then just in the real world, that whole section is really fun. I, I oh sorry, before we get to that, I, I really enjoyed uh, the line. I just I know obviously we wouldn't like list jokes, but I do really enjoy when the car shows up. Just no one finds this a little convenient. <laughs> Mm. just a really good line um also just just tons of shots of this this child running around with a giant gun um that always makes me laugh just visually that's just funny um in all of it um in the real world i really liked the idea that the police response time is so poor (laughs) that whole sequence where charles dance's character he's like i've killed this man on purpose anyone going to do anything some guy shot out his window. Shut up down there. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, that was good. Uh, what was the? Uh, let me ask you this: What was the point of, uh, with the Jack getting on with Danny's mum halfway through? That whole yeah, not weird. if you're not gonna have him. Not if you're gonna not. If, not if you're not going to have him stay in the real world. Pointless. Like I wondered whether the end was. You know, he he ends up in the real world, and maybe he has a bit of a thing with his mum. But no, not didn't do that. Therefore, that was just a bit pointless. I I thought it was clever. Like I liked the idea that Jack Slater was clever enough to go, 
oh no, I'm a cop. I just look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I thought that was a, a good idea, um, but ultimately offered nothing to the <laughs> to the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, because when 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 like the kid points this out, when, da- when Danny points this out, he's all like, "I've just never talked to a woman like this before," and it's just like, "What? What do you mean?" Like I know what he means, but like, what do you? What is okay? Fine, but what? What of it? Like I don't know. It was very yeah. But again, scene. only only worthwhile if at the end of the movie he doesn't pay off for it. Yeah. You know, goes goes and well, no, he ends up back in the movie, and maybe there's a female there's a female character at the station that he's you know never really spoken to um but we've we've kind of seen her and he sits down and says let's have a conversation we show that he's learned from it otherwise yeah. it's redundant again yeah. another ingredient they had there for the taking that they didn't then execute yeah i think that's fair um quick question do you think some of the jokes may be a little too obscure or not too obscure too abstract to get like the idea that he was like absolutely blown away by classical music. I think the joke. I think, and if you have to say the sentence, I think this is what the joke was. They they probably screwed up somewhere. Was the joke that in an action movie you don't get classical music because, of course, it's all you know, guitar solos and people doing headshots. Like, is that was that the joke that he'd never heard classical music because you don't score an action movie with classical music? Yeah, that was certainly my interpretation of the joke, um, that but not... it isn't made overtly is... clear. Yeah, and is that not a little bit funny coming from this director who did Die Hard, which I'm pretty sure does have an action sequence set to a classical piece of music at some point? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and well, maybe the joke was actually something about, sound, like you say, soundtracks, the music that plays over the top of action, mm-hmm. and maybe the notion that the characters in the film don't hear it. But then that doesn't make sense because he specifically, like, changes the tape and puts on rock music earlier. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm... It's 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 a flaw, Dan. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. I, I just it was it's it, no, it was it was more. Oh an no, example. no, no. That was me. That was me saying add it to the list. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for me it was more just like a general idea of like are some of the jokes maybe slightly obtuse for their own good. Um, you know, do, do, yeah. do you always run the risk when you do subtle jokes at some of them getting lost? You know, um, like yeah, I'd there's more obvious ones that you can't miss. Like you know, you, when he just casually shoots through his cupboard door and then a ninja falls out, and then he <laughs> yeah. his cupboard just has like 80 versions of the exact same outfit. Like, but none of that is they don't hang out in lampshade or any of that. They don't like you know they don't trot all that out and make big points of it. But it is, it's all very subtly done, but the jokes are really clear. You can't not understand the joke of him opening the cupboard to a thousand versions of his own outfit. Um, but, like, the classical music one, on the other hand, just came across a bit strange. Like, it just didn't have a defined, yeah. for me, clearly defined premise. But, yeah, who knows? Um, I will say as well, as a, as a vague criticism, occasionally they resort to tell not show with some of the jokes as well. Like, there's a bit in the movie, and this is an actual line I wrote down. In my world, they just leave clues or try to kidnap me. Yeah. Which is a funny joke, because the idea is when I he's looking it. for someone, he just goes out looking for them and he stumbles across them, because either they've left an obvious cue, clue, because they'd have to, because that's how a movie progresses, or they kidnap him. But couldn't we have demonstrated that visually, like, uh, without him just, like, saying it? Like, I don't know, it, just, it felt like there'd been a way to make that joke happen in the story of the movie rather than him 
pointing it out. I don't know. I could be wrong there. Um, I think that's everything. Cool. Well, yeah. well, in that case, Dan, <gasps> let's trim it up. I'm going to give you some trivia. I leaned into the mic before I said some trivia. Um, let's do this. So, the original screenplay developed by Adam Laff and Zach Penn um, had Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in mind for the lead. Um, it was titled Extremely Violent at that stage. Um, after Columbia purchased the script, they independently approached Arnold about the movie. Uh, his decision came down between that and uh, th- this movie and a movie called uh, Sweet Tooth, directed by Penny Marshall. Um, I don't think that ever actually happened, unfortunately, Sweet Tooth, so he probably made the right choice, just in terms of this movie got produced. Uh, the script was later then rewritten by Shane Black um, of Iron Man 3 hmm. and uh, other Robert Downey Jr. movies <laughs> fame. Um, and David Arnott, um, they sort of like were brought in to sort of fix up the action sequences and add some more jokes. Uh, William Goldman did apparently a $1 million polish on the script um, because Arnold had basically said he wouldn't do it until there was some more depth added to the characters. Um, Sure. Um, He said when he read the original draft, it was one of the best scripts he'd ever read. Arnold said that. He especially liked the comedy, action, drama, and satire of it. Um, You mean the movie, Arnold? (laughs) Described all of the movie. I especially like all of it. That's the bit I particularly like. The whole thing. Um, um, I could totally see this being a really great script on page, by the way. Uh, Robert Zemeckis was in contention to direct at one point. Um, I don't know if I would want to see that version of the movie necessarily, but I think maybe he would have actually brought a bit more heart to it, maybe, and smoothed out some of these issues. So, yeah. Maybe a Zemeckis version of this movie would have been better, but I guess we'll never know. Uh, John McTiernan described this experience as a, as a Cinderella story, um, or at least at the start. A nine-year-old boy with a pretty good script, but the movie didn't end as it began. He talked about the movie having quite a troubled production. It actually uh, also um, was... It was sh- filming overran so much, Chris, they were still shooting this movie a week before it went into theatres. Oh, Wow. That explains a fair bit as well. It does, <laughs> but I'm starting to notice a pattern because if you not, if you do not, if you if you recall, um, Die Hard had a similar production, did it not? Where it was all being written mm. as it was being shot, and they were changing stuff on the fly. And I remember us talking about what a miracle Die Hard is, and then we speculated, or maybe just you know, really talented people pulled it together. Is this the other side of that coin then? When it when the Trump production really does just sort of hamper the, 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 the final product you know when it doesn't all quite seamlessly come together in the end yeah maybe mm. it's an interesting thought um, apparently uh, after this movie's failure it did open a week after Jurassic Park uh, McTiernan uh, retreated to his house in Wyoming and took a break from his career <laughs> strong response but understandable um, Macaulay Culkin was apparently the original role, uh, sorry, actor in mind for the role of Danny, uh, but he was working on The Good Son and The Nutcracker, uh, which both ended up coming out the same year as this movie. Um, good Son's good. I don't even know what The Nutcracker is. Like, I, I don't know that I didn't know there was a Macaulay Culkin movie called The Nutcracker. No, me neither. Although, it's, no, I'm thinking of the one with the the kid in the bookstore. That's not the Page same Master. movie at all, is it? Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. I know the Good Son. That's, the Good uh, Son's the one with um, 
with uh, Macaulay Culkin and Frodo. What's what's the actor that plays Frodo? Called? Elijah Wood. That, that's those two. That's a, that's a fucking creepy movie. Just having a look, the Nutcracker. It is. Mm, it does appear to be an animation. Yeah, it's a Christmas musical film, based on the stage production. Hmm. Yeah, so it's an anima- It's an animated version of the of the stage production, the Nutcracker. Hmm. There you go. Well, we learned something new today, Chris. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Oh no. No, it's just got a animated cover from the stills on images. It's not animated. Oh. Okay. No, it's, n- it's not animated. Well, there you go. We learn something new every day. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Macaulay Culkin would be good in this, but actually we haven't talked about him, but you know what? For a 90s movie with kid actors in it, uh, I think the kid in this is pretty good. Um, it's very easy yeah, it's to, good. F- for that to stumble into very annoying or deeply annoying even. Um, but I think he did great. I think he did great. Ten points. I'd agree with that. Mm, good kid. Uh, good little actor. Don't know what he did after this, but uh, yeah, he's good in this. Uh, Charles Dance said in interviews that he'd actually was told after he got the part that it had been turned down before him by Alan Rickman because of salary. So um, he claims he took a t-shirt and wore it on set that read, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman. <laughs> I kind of hope that's true because that's fun. <laughs> that's a good way that's a good way to go yeah uh the acdc song big gun was actually written specifically for this movie after arnold schwarzenegger personally approached acdc and asked them to write the song for it um schwarzenegger also wanted this movie to be pg-13 so it could appeal to a broader audience uh, broader audience in this case it was his first time being an executive producer so he also got script approval uh director approval casting financing distribution he had approval on everything he, he had say in everything basically um he enjoyed the added added responsibility because he was able to be involved in every asset uh, every asset every facet of production um he also nixed merchandising options he didn't want action figures um he wanted the movie to be a bit warmer and more cuddly so he didn't want like big action figures with giant guns and stuff um i don't know what movie he thought he was making but uh i think action figures would have been very in line with what this movie was but there you go yeah that's that's like in line with, as you say, the point of the movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty strange. Uh, when Danny and Jack are looking in the video store and find the to find the a Schwarzenegger movie, Danny is obviously surprised to find that Terminator 2 Judgment Day's poster features Stallone um, and that Schwarzenegger movies simply don't exist in this universe. Uh, I do like that very subtle thing when he comes in and he asks for the Schwarzenegger sec- like movies and the lady says that they don't have foreign language films or something like that. Um, that's pretty fun. Um, but with that in mind, as Jack walks towards Danny to compliment um, Stallone's work, you can clearly see on the shelf um, of other Hollywood movies from the time, there's a VHS copy of Raw Deal starring Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's in clear visible view with Arnold featuring prominently on the cover. So the proof that they say, were... Is Ar- What's that, sorry? Is Arnold's in the cover? Yeah. On the cover? Yeah. Amazing. So I think I, I, I look. A lot of people say, "Oh, that's just laziness or whatever." I think that's intentional. Like I think what, you think it's just liking. a little Easter egg type thing. Yeah, like the idea that like even in the world of the movie, you could prove that he was if you looked hard enough. But like you know, no one ever pays attention to the details of the sets. Stuff gets missed. Like I think uh, yeah, some of this stuff feels so intentional. 
Um, a lot of the trivia was referencing as well that there are a lot of like intentional mistakes in the movie, like you know, shots that cut to shots where things have changed or continuity errors or boom mics and stuff, and it's all supposed to be on purpose. But um, I didn't really catch a lot of that. Maybe I saw it too sleepy. <laughs> Could be the reason. <laughs> um so yeah no i didn't i couldn't pull anything specific out either Mm. um so uh danny um madigan i think i've pronounced that right who plays uh uh no danny madigan's the character sorry austin o'brien who plays him uh when they arrive oh god this is a trivia that's just written badly sorry let me let me go back to the beginning of this when they arrive at the lapd headquarters um uh, sharon stone and robert patrick appear outside the front door um, as uh, Catherine Trammell um, from Basic Instinct and the T-1000 from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, that's super fun. Um, I enjoyed seeing those two characters. Um, uh, Schwarzenegger had actually recently worked with Sharon Stone on Total Recall, um, but they'd apparently clashed quite a lot on set, so her cameo was apparently quite a surprise at the time. Um, she'd been reluctant to do this one, but ended up doing it as a favour for Schwarzenegger, who reminded her that Total Recall had actually helped her career. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I got a couple more bits, very small bits of trivia. Um, some trailers showed deleted scenes that never ended up. There's an extended version of the Hamlet scene where Schwarzenegger is underwater shooting at someone. Um, there's Danny being blown away into the movie after the dynamite pops out of the screen in a bit more, you know, a bit more, not that just white out thing where they actually show it. Um, let's see an alternate take and angle for Slate as I hate when that happens line after he gets out the tar pit a couple of other deleted scenes uh, from the original 2 hour and 20 minute cut which they did scream, screen for um, test audiences and the test audience hated um, include yeah, that must a- have been so yeah. painful watching a version that Jesus yeah um, uh, so there's a dialogue scene between Danny and Dra- Jack in which Danny explains that his dad had died from cancer um, and a scene where a group of kids uh, see Jack while, while he's walking across the street in rain in the, in the real world um, and they think he is Schwarzenegger and ask him for an autograph which he then signs reluctantly um, so there's some, that's some stuff that was cut from the movie I don't know. Uh, some of that sounds like it might have. I don't know. I don't know if the cancer thing is necessary, um, but I wouldn't have minded seeing because I did think when he was first in New York running around, I'm like, isn't he supposed to be on a short singer in this world? Shouldn't some of these people be like, hey, you're that guy, sign my thing? Um, yeah. So I, I was. I'm kind of sad they cut that because that probably was only a few seconds long. Wouldn't have really made the movie longer, and it would have stopped my brain wondering why no one was recognizing him. <laughs> but you address it, and then it's fine. Um, yeah. The cast features four Oscar winners in F. Murray, Abraham, Ark, uh, Carney, uh, Mercedes Rule, and Anthony Quinn, and six Oscar nominees, although one of these I would question as being in the movie, but we'll come to that. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen, Sharon Stone, uh, Dame Joan Plowright, uh, Michael V. Garzo, and Danny DeVito also listed amongst the six Oscar nominees is Sylvester Stallone. Although I don't really think this is can count as an appearance for Stallone. He's been photoshopped onto the Terminator poster. Yeah, they wouldn't even need Stallone to do anything for that appearance. So, yeah. Unless I've missed a bit where he shows up in the Hollywood stuff at the end, where they're all at the premiere, maybe. No, I didn't see him. No, I don't think I did either. But anyway, uh, the body count for the movie is 83, just in case anyone was wondering. And now, of course, Chris... 
time for the greatest segment, the most important segment. It's time. Yeah, boy. For Cars Exist. Yeah. So this week in Cars Exist, uh, I would like to point out that Jack Slater drives a 1969 Pontiac Bonville convertible. Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. That's the one. That's the car. Is that it? Is, is, that the, is that the whole of Cars Exist? Cars Exist, Chris. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, they there's, do. Oh, there's tons of cars. I could go... Like, do you want me to bring up the, the IMCV no, list? Not, list a bunch of other cars not, that appear? Not even a little bit. I want you to give me your conclusions, your headline thoughts on this film. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed the brief cameo of the Mercury Cougar. The 1991 Mercury Cougar. That's a headline thought. There's also a Ford Tempo that appears briefly in this movie. Uh, Ford Taurus, that's in the movie. There's a Dodge Stealth earlier in the movie. That's a good car. The Chevy Impala, that shows up. I love a Chevy Impala. There's two of those in the movie, actually. There's also a Chevy Impala wagon, which is a variant on that. A couple of Chrysler. I'm just letting you get it out of your system, mate. I'm not even... I'm, not, I'm just waiting. <laughs> Well, I just like you see, you see, you say that, but who was the one who went? It was like, hey, is that all you've got for cars exist? Well, tough, tough shit. I didn't now say, is that, is that all you've got? I just said, oh, is that it for cars exist? Is it just the mm. one car? I just, mm. yeah. Yeah. How about we ask the BMW S series that appears in the movie, the, the E34 model, or the 2002 BMW as well, which, is, which appears earlier in the movie? If I ever meet the creators of this movie, I'm going to be like, the mood you put Dan in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go there we go um so what are your yes yeah, so uh, you know <laughs> i think we we did our headline thoughts at the beginning um i'd still recommend it dan was leaning towards recommending it and now i feel has swung the other way again <laughs> no no i i look i i i, I just you know Cars Exist was a used to be a one-line joke. I named the major car from the movie. Oh, God, and I just feel like this week... It's nothing to do with the movie, Chris. I feel like, you, you know, you're like, that's it. Like, as if I had like... Oh, as if normally I list 20 cars. Last week was different because we did Planes Exist and that was fun because I just listed all of them for the fuck of it. But, that's, you know, you can't expect cool. that every week, I've... Chris. Sometimes there's just one car. All right. I apologise. That's fine. There you go. Cool. What's your headline thoughts of the movie? I That's can't express fine. how hard I'm look, trying look, to take uh, us away the, the, the from cars th- exist. <laughs> headline thought of the movie. Uh, I, the, it's some really good ideas, and some of that is well executed, but also a lot of it is badly executed. Um, I think depending on the mood you're in, it's either going to be an absolute nightmare or 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 quite a bit of fun. Um, yeah. If you want to see two examples of that, I, I recommend skipping backwards in this podcast about an hour and a half and listening again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we uh, we said it all at the beginning, um, which takes us then, Dan. Uh, I guess to where we're going next. Yes, yes. You please anything but more of this. Well, I think I think we do. I, th- I think Dan. I think we need. You know, obviously, I know. You know, Gremlins Two holds a lot of love in in your heart. But you know, I think I think you could argue Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the only bona fide classic film we've done so far. <laughs> this series in a series that has also included die hard 2 and liar liar and last action hero so 
I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think am what... definitely thinking that because I think we've got I, we've each got I think one more choice before we get to Lord of the Rings. Or what, is this the wrong? final choice before that? Then I'm not sure. I can't remember. I know this isn't Lord of the Rings because I'm pretty sure it's you choosing Lord of the Rings. Oh shit! Then in that case, you've got one more choice, and I don't. Is that right then? Fuck it. Uh, I'm gonna find that out. Take us to ten. One, two, three. Well, we go to four. eleven, don't we? This would be five. And then I'd be choosing six, and then there'd be the three. No, I think I, I think. Oh yeah, so we both we oh, so you've got two more choices. I've got one more choice. What and then we finish on Lord of the Rings, or is Lord of the Rings like? Yeah, we finish on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, before before we finish on Lord of the Rings. No, I, I knew we timed Lord of the Rings to time with the Amazon um, airing, so mm-hmm. I didn't know if that meant it was the very end still. Um, but clearly mm. it is, so that's cool. Um. So I think we need a palate cleanser, Dan. I think we need. Uh, I think we need to move into a more dramatic film, and I think we need a film that is a bona fide classic, uh, and a film that we're pretty confident is is good. Um, so next week, Dan, we will be doing rewind reviews on Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah, that's a great film. Yeah, I feel that's a good a good move to go from the films we've done the last few weeks to to this. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll make an effort so. to, to choose something good for the one after as well. Um, and then maybe we'll <laughs> squeeze it. Maybe Chris will choose something really shocking for his last choice before we go into Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Goodwill Hunting is a great choice. Yeah, cool. No, I'm, ex- I'm excited by it. Um, yeah, so you can, you can get us in all the usual places. Uh, nothing but static on Twitter without the G, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing but static UK on YouTube. Dan is at Dan Doolan on Twitter. I am at C Billingham two M's baby uh, on Twitter. Uh, then if you want to catch us via Gmail, nothing but static at gmail.co.uk without the G, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Otherwise, oh uh, no, I think it's uh, if you just do mail at nothing but static.co.uk, they that redirects through to that. So just do that one. Yes. So you can do that. So if you want to get get in touch, let us know. Let us know your classic films that you want us to cover. We are going to do some version of sort of. We are listening when you make your suggestions, um, and we are going to at some point be choosing those as well. Um, and just in general, tell us your your memories of of childhood films. And if you loved Last Action Hero um, and think we've been a bit harsh, do let us know. Anything Anything to add, Dan? Uh, the patron, I guess. Yeah, if you want to hear yes. us talk about Goodwill Hunting and maybe uh, catch me less tired and grumpy, uh, then you can probably hear that right now by heading over to the Patreon and giving as little as one dollar a month, um, and then we can do we'll do that. You can hear that. That'll be better. It- it would be so mad to find out Goodwill Hunting's crap, isn't it? <laughs> Wouldn't oh it? my god! <laughs> if Goodwill Hunting's <laughs> crap. So <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time, but if Goodwill Hunting is crap, we're gonna have to have a conversation. Uh, <laughs> that'd be that'd be so upsetting. I'm sure. I'm sure. It, I, I tell you what, Dan. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna plant a flag. I reckon Goodwill Hunting is a better film than Last Action Hero and Lie Lie. Behold claim. I'm plowing that flag. Uh, yes, so you can catch that next week, uh, as Dan said. You can catch that next week if you're listening live. If you're a member of Patreon, you can catch it right now. Uh, so thank you very much, as always. We we love you for listening. I've been Chris Billingham. I've been Dan Doolan. And this review has been Rewound.